It's Friday, January 11, 2019, and I'm Andrew Beckwith, President and General Counsel for Massachusetts Family Institute. You're listening to the Mass Family Update, your source for the latest insight on the intersection of faith, family, and freedom in the Commonwealth. I spend a lot of time discussing the legal and cultural aspects of human sexuality and how they affect the family in Massachusetts. But on today's podcast, we'll be talking about drugs, specifically marijuana. We'll have to save a discussion of rock and roll for another day. I'm joined by MFI's Community Alliances Director, Michael King, who's been very active on this issue. It's great to be with you, Andrew. So, Michael, for those of us who may not be familiar, um, I know that the marijuana legalization or commercial marijuana uh, was passed in 2016. It was a battle initiative. I think the results were about 53, 54 or so uh, in favor, so fairly close. But I remember prior to that in 2012, again by referendum here in Massachusetts, we passed medical marijuana. And that was at a time when we were also fighting the assisted suicide, which lost, thank goodness, on a very close vote. But medical marijuana passed, I think, in the low 60s. So a relatively uh, popular referendum there. And of course, we're told this wasn't a slippery slope. It's not a gateway to uh, you know, full legalization of commercial marijuana. And just a f- four short years later, in 2016, we now have commercial industrial marijuana introduced mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. But that wasn't the end of the story. Fortunately, it took uh, almost two years to kind of get the uh, regulatory apparatus up and running. Uh, One of the benefits, I guess, of a slow and efficient state uh, will take it. And so the first pot shops haven't started or didn't start until November of 2018. But there was a provision in the law when it was passed in 2016 that allowed for cities and towns to opt out, not of uh, the legalization of the consumption of marijuana, but basically through zoning and other measures to prevent pot shops, retail, commercial establishments, and and grow facilities from taking root in their communities. And that's something you've been working on, particularly networking with, with churches to help them, frankly, love their neighbors by keeping a safer neighborhood. Mm. So if you could tell us a little bit about how that process has been over the past two years and what, where you've seen success. Yeah, the grand opening day for pot, for legal pot in Massachusetts was originally July 1st, of 2018, and zero pot shops opened up on grand opening day. I think that was a testament not just to the That's grassroots great. effort, Uh, like you said, of many faith organizations across the state. Um, I'm sure it also had to do with just um, the CCC and other organizations not getting all their um, research. That's the the Cannabis Cannabis Control Control Commission, right. Um, But we were definitely encouraged to see no pot shops open up on grand opening day. And then, like you said, recently we had a pot shop open up in Leicester, Massachusetts, and then one in Northampton. And, um, you know, it's interesting, too, to put this in perspective, those are the first two pot shops to open up east of the Mississippi, uh, I think, ever. So for Massachusetts to uh, open up these two is, is definitely a big deal uh, and the start of something that we are obviously concerned about from a teen addiction point of view. Um, and we're not, I mean, we're not just trying to be, you know, uh, downers on 
this. Right. I mean, this is a real issue. We were just last month saw an article out of the Worcester, the Worcester Telegraph. A couple middle school students on a bus ride to school uh, ended up having to go to the hospital because they had ingested marijuana. But they weren't they weren't smoking it in the back of the bus. They had THC infused gummy bears. Right. So they may not even have known. Well, that's that's one of the dangers, right? Is that when people think about commercial marijuana, what this is is edibles, right? Gummy bears. I mean, how many of us have had Kit Kats, uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, Almond Joy, uh, these kinds of things? Uh, over half of the sale of marijuana, commercial marijuana, in Colorado is edibles. So I always ask the question: Who's eating? edibles and statistically we're seeing the same thing we saw with cigarettes is that who is becoming uh, addicted and getting access to this drug uh, to a great extent and it's our teenagers and in this instance I think you said middle schoolers uh, on the bus you know on the morning ride into school getting their hands on this stuff and look this was in the town of Holden which is just north of Worcester so we want to continue to be vigilant to ban these shops in, in every town and city in Massachusetts. But look, Holden's just north of Worcester. And, um, you know, I'm sure there was some kind of maybe somebody got some marijuana. Lester's down there, too. It could have come from the pot shop in Lester. And, you know, maybe whoever it was, you know, left it on the counter. And little Johnny thought it was... Uh, an innocent little gummy bear and shared it with his friends uh, on the bus. And this is within a month of those pot shops opening up. Yep. Yep. So, so Colorado is one of the first states to have recreation, if not the first state. 2012. To have okay. Um, not sure if they were the first, but definitely one of the first, uh, 2012, to legalize, uh, you know, marijuana. And you know, one of the concerning things there too is that um, there are more pot shops in Colorado than Starbucks and McDonald's combined. Wow. And I think that really puts things in perspective. And to, and to make that even more concerning is that only about a third of towns and cities in Colorado have opted in to have a pot shop. So imagine if half of Colorado opted in to have a pot shop. Uh, that number would be even greater uh, and maybe we could add to that Burger King and uh, Walmart. Incredible! I know uh, there was a there was a legislative delegation from Massachusetts that went out to Colorado right. prior to the referendum to kind of do it a, a fact finding tour, and I think they intentionally took out half who were in favor and half who were opposed. And when they came back, I think they were all opposed. I mean, they saw what happened in Colorado, and so that's why the legislature didn't take any action. They didn't want to pass right. uh, decriminalization. In yeah. fact, the, the governor, um, Laura Healy, the attorney general, they all were, I think in the mayor of Boston, they were all against this commercialization of marijuana, and yet it passed. Mm -hmm. um, but we talked about opting in, opting out. In Massachusetts, towns and cities have the ability to, to block it. And so how do they do that? Yeah, so we've, uh, I think the best way to explain that is just to tell the stories of so many towns and cities. I mean, now there's 250 out of the 351 towns and cities that have passed a what's called a moratorium, uh, where you cannot apply for a permit uh, or you cannot get a permit when there's a moratorium in place uh, or an outright ban. So there's about 100 towns and cities that have banned uh, these shops and about another 150 that have passed moratoriums uh, regarding this issue and you know just to tell the story of of Lawrence quickly where um, 
we worked with about 120 churches in the city of Lawrence, uh, and they had about 200 people come down to their city council meeting. This was back in the summer of 2016. Uh, and those 200 people influence their city council, which is their legislative body, to unanimously opt out to ban uh, commercial shops in the city limits of Lawrence. So we're talking about a city that has 85,000 people. And 200 people came down to City Hall and caused, and it caused the city council to unanimously, eight to nothing, vote to ban commercial marijuana. That's fantastic. I remember you telling me when that happened and how there was a number of people from the local churches speaking at this uh, city council meeting and one of the marijuana advocates was was complaining, why are we listening to all these church people talk about uh, marijuana? And one of the church leaders, a woman, I think a mother, fired right back and said, look, it's because our communities of faith are the ones having to pick up the pieces of all the broken lives caused by the drugs you're trying to introduce into our communities. Yeah, no, it was a wonderful moment there. And, you know, there's this stereotype, unfortunately, in many of our towns and cities that the the church is somehow ignorant or uh, unversed, uh, you know, on these issues. And, you know, even more reason why the church needs to have a voice uh, in its particular town and city. And what a great way to reach out to your town and city and show to moms and dads and, and families that you care about this youth addiction uh, epidemic that is definitely coming to Massachusetts and we've seen what's happened uh, in Colorado I mean just to tell another quick story in the in the town of Acton uh, now this was a town that voted yes on question four in 2016 uh, they recently had a vote last December 2018 1100 people showed up to the right. town hall meeting 11 when's the last time 1100 people showed up to your town hall meeting and 76% of those 1,100 people voted to ban pot shops in the town of Acton. And the list goes on. It was four moms that were successful in banning pot shops in Westboro. Uh, we're now working with several uh, Ugandan, Hispanic, uh, English uh, churches in the city of Waltham. Uh, to do the same and now working with several churches in the city of Lowell uh, to do the same as well and and we could spend another hour on this podcast uh, talking about the cities and towns that we've worked with um, you know to uh, to ban these shops uh, so it's really been a wonderful way for churches to practically get involved in their town or city so now if people want to learn more specifically about what they can do in their local uh, municipality. Uh, can they contact you directly? Absolutely. Yeah. And and if, if you'd like me to come even to a, a Sunday morning service um, and give a five, ten minute uh, talk on, you know, what's going on in Massachusetts, how, how we can practically be involved, uh, or maybe there's a, a weeknight service or... Um, You'll give the whole sermon if invited, just to be clear. I've got, a, I've got a marijuana sermon already for your church. Great. Um, and so Michael at mafamily.org is your email address, right? Michael at mafamily.org. That's right. That's great, Mike. It's good to hear that we can make a difference like that, even though the referendum has already passed, that uh, your local community, we can still fight back against this. And I know one of the arguments in favor of passing this law 
was that there'd be all kinds of new tax revenues coming right. in. Yeah. Um, what's been Colorado's experience since they're out ahead of everybody else and have sort of more data? What's their yeah. experience on the tax? Yeah. Well, there was a uh, uh, report that just came out from the Centennial Institute in Colorado showing that for every $1 of tax revenue, uh, a city or town, it costs them $4.50 uh, for the social expense, for the uh, hiring of new police officers, for the influx of people into emergency rooms and overtaxing hospitals, uh, not to mention the mental health concerns, uh, finding these, these studies coming out showing that uh, commercial marijuana is a leading cause of psychosis. Mm. Um, and, and other mental health issues. So, um, you know, statistically also we see that the earlier you use marijuana, the more addictive it becomes. Right. Um, so... And even under this new law, I know the, the legal age of consumption is, what, 21, just like alcohol? Right. But uh, as we're already finding with those middle school students um, out in Central Mass, younger kids are going to get a hold of this stuff, particularly if it's packaged as candy, which is really outrageous. Right. But I, you know, I remember talking with a father with, over the past year who had a very bright, successful son. He had an athletic scholarship to college, um, but sort of fell in with a crowd that was using marijuana. He started using, and now he's he's been kicked off the team. Mm. Um, and he. I don't know if he's actually dropped out or come close to dropping out, but just sort of lost all his drive. Mm. Um, and I remember way back in 2012 when we were fighting medical marijuana, because we knew this would be mm -hmm. a slippery slope, and it was. Um, there was another father who was testifying and saying that he had spent the past decade driving his two sons, and I've got two sons, so this really resonated with me, driving his two sons back and forth to residential drug rehabilitation mm. facilities. And they, they had both started, I mean, they were onto harder drugs, but they had both started with marijuana. Yeah, yeah. So mean, this this lie that it's you know not a gateway drug, um, yeah. and for, for a certain number of children, it certainly can be and has been. And yeah. so the more it's available, the more likely kids are to stumble into it. Yeah, really right. terrifying as a parent. One of the ladies uh, that we work with in this grassroots organization, she leads a Facebook group of parents that have lost kids mm -hmm. to drugs. Um, and she said when she polled their group of 500 parents, uh, she said 70% said that they started with marijuana. Wow. And how many times do I hear out in the street uh, you know, marijuana is not a gateway drug, and this is the line that they want us to believe. Right. When all the testimonies from those that have, you know, overdosed or, or, or taken drugs in the past say started with marijuana. And the other thing, it's it's still illegal under federal right. law. It's a Schedule One controlled substance. Uh, so, you know, I still do some reserve work uh, with the Marine Corps, and if I took marijuana, even though it'd be legal here in Massachusetts, um, I could lose my Commission of the Marines because yeah. it's still still illegal. So that has yet to be all sorted out. That's right. And, um, you know, it's also worth noting, too, that, you know, today's marijuana is not yesterday's marijuana, right? That the levels of THC in these uh, edibles, for example, or even energy drinks, sports drinks, um, so we're it's finding not your dad's weed. I it's guess. not your dad's weed. Um, anything over 15% THC is considered a hard drugs. So for instance, this Lester pot shop that we've seen some of the product that's being sold 
uh, in that pot shop uh, many times is over that percentage of 15%. So we don't we, we should not think of today's <clears throat> excuse me marijuana as you know this herb that they want us this natural herb that they want us to think it is it is a hard drug that is equally addictive and statistics show this to uh, drugs like heroin uh, you know and, and things like that so we need to start thinking about this drug in that level of thinking as opposed to you know this is just some fun you know uh, drug that I can take at home and will help me with uh, you know f a headache that I have or, or something it's just not that thanks Mike scary stuff but we're glad to hear that you're out there helping communities at least keep this from taking root on their streets well we're out of time for today but you can learn more about this issue and the pro-family movement as a whole at mafamily.org mafamily.org and consider introducing our popular Sunday School curriculum and engage the Bay State at your church or small group. Check it out at mafamily.org forward slash engage. Thank you for listening, and be encouraged to stand strong for life, marriage, and religious liberty in the Bay State. You're not alone. We're here to support you and your family.